This podcast brought to you by Hope 103.2. Thank you for joining us for another episode of LifeWords Q&A. Andrew Morris joining uh, David Ray for the next 15 minutes or so where we talk about your questions relating to life, faith and the Bible. Uh, plenty to chew on uh, on this episode, David. Welcome. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, we're going to be looking at, uh, you know, ministers wearing crosses and I guess crosses generally as a bit of fashion item, maybe. Also, um, looking at what happens uh, when we die. Do we go straight to uh, heaven, if you like? But first, David, uh, our first question is, did God choose some people to go to heaven and others to go to hell before they were even created? That's an interesting question. It is, Andrew, and it causes some controversy, and I'm going to put one view forward that, um, well, some people might simply uh, want to switch off as soon as I've put the view forward, and some people might be applauding, who knows. But it is a view that divides Christians. Um, Look, some people believe that God chooses some people to go to heaven and other people go to hell before they were created on the basis of the Bible, and I think it's the one of the first few verses of Ephesians chapter 1 that um, might support it, that God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, and that's what the exact text means. Um, You see, others support it on the basis that God is sovereign. He can do what he likes. So if you say, oh, wait a minute, it doesn't seem fair that God chose some people to go to heaven and some people to go to hell before they even did anything, um, that it's unfair. But some people would say, no, it's not unfair. God God can actually do what he likes. And others support it on the basis that all have sinned and none deserve salvation. So who's complaining? If some people go to hell, well, we all deserve to go to hell. So what, what are we complaining about? And yet there's others who support it on the basis that God knows in advance who will accept or reject him. So perhaps they say this is what is being talked about. It's not so much that God is choosing some people for destruction or whatever. He's rather anticipating in advance what they themselves are going to do. Well, having said all that, I don't agree with that. (laughs) So I think differently, and I want to respect the fact that there are differences of opinion on this. I'd say, sure, God's sovereign. But such actions seem to run contrary to his character, which desires all to be saved. Yeah, yeah, God can do what he likes, but um, it seems a bit strange and a bit crude to say, well, God can do what he likes, therefore he's going to condemn people not to be saved, when in fact the Bible says he desires all to be saved. God can't actually do what he likes any anyway. Um, when people say God's sovereign, he can do what he likes. No, he can't. He can't be untrue to himself, because if he's untrue to himself, he ceases to be God. So it all becomes a bit of a nonsense. And yes, I do agree that we've all sinned. No one deserves salvation. Absolutely right. But I also note that God's rich in mercy. To say, oh, well, we all deserve to be condemned to hell anyway, it denies the fact that we're dealing with a God who is rich in mercy, and he doesn't want that to happen. He doesn't want to just leave us to be estranged from him. And then the others who say, yes, that God knows in advance what we'll do, and that's what we're talking about. Well, yes, I do agree that God knows in advance what we will do, but actually I don't think the Scriptures are actually saying that this determines his choosing. So I don't think the foreknowledge argument really advances as much. But look, let me put another view forward that some Christians hold, others don't. Um, I read the Scriptures that tell me that God chose us before the making of the world, that's in the first chapter of Ephesians, but that he chose us in Christ. And I think that in Christ phrase is very significant. I reckon that that means God chose Jesus before he made the world to be the source of salvation. Before he made the world, God chose Jesus to be the source of salvation for people in the world. So Jesus is the chosen one of God. And when I put my trust in him, I am seen as chosen. So when God says, David, I've chose you, uh, you are the chosen one, I think, 
Thank you, I'm chosen inasmuch as I have chosen myself to put my trust in Jesus. So you see, I, I argue that because God is not choosing on some arbitrary basis. God is not saying, well, David's going to go to um, heaven, but Fred over there is going to go to hell. I don't think he's doing that. I think rather before he made the world, God is choosing to offer Jesus as our salvation. And then in Mm. real time history, when I get born and live and so on, God is rather inviting me to put my faith in the chosen one. I believe that the view that I've just put there, which I've just very briefly summarized, does preserve God's sovereignty because if God hadn't chosen Jesus to be the source of salvation, I couldn't be saved. But it also preserves my freedom. In other words, God is saying, you have to choose the chosen one. Um, you, you can't just sort of sit back and say, oh, well, I'm predestined and you're not. You can't do that. And the Bible doesn't seem to, um, to, to su- suggest that. So I believe the key is that God chose Christ. God predestined Christ to be the source of salvation. And then those who put their trust in Christ in their life in their life on this earth they are then seen to be chosen because why because they are in christ who is himself the chosen one and of course as i said right at the outset there are many people who would say no 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 i don't agree with that that's fine that's okay great uh there's actually a book i think uh written last year called union with christ and it's all about that concept of those two words in christ david yeah. and uh the the everything that we have is through christ he's the uh mm. he's the link between god the father and us some people would say that that phrase in christ union with christ is probably the key key phrase of all the christian faith mm. um, if i'm in christ it explains why i'm forgiven it explains why i am seeking to become more like christ it it is the key to my self uh, awareness who am i well if i'm in christ i am loved by god i'm a child of god and god thinks of me as he thinks of christ and uh you could dwell on that for quite a long time i think oh we could indeed <laughs> we could indeed but but i i am putting i i am relating that more specifically to this doctrine of election or predestination yep. because i really uh, i have to say that uh, being a Christian minister in the service of God and preaching the good news of God and believing that somehow or other in some way before the creation of the world there was almost like a bit of a lottery going on that God chose this person and not that person, I would have grave difficulties. Yeah, that would be a slightly cruel, I would think. Would uh, this is LifeWords Q&A. Andrew Morris, David Ray with you. Uh, it's our regular podcast where David answers your questions. And if this has, I guess... Um, created a problem or another question, I think you should email David, lifewords at hopemedia.com.au. That's lifewords at hopemedia.com.au. You can subscribe to the LifeWords Q&A podcast through hope1032.com.au or through the iTunes store. Just search for LifeWords Q&A. David, our second question is, some people, including ministers, seem to wear crosses. Is there a problem with this? Um, it's... Uh it, 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 there are two different issues. Let, let's let's the, the two different aspects I want to look at here. Um, there are those who wear crosses um, uh, who aren't ministers, and and people who have no real association with um, Christianity. They simply wear crosses as ornamentation. They like the look of them. Now, on one level, that's that's harmless enough. But you think about that. When we consider the horrible cruelty of crucifixion and what Jesus went through, 
We might see this display as trivialisation, just to wear it as a sheer bit of jewellery or ornamentation. Um, And when we consider the wonder of the fact that the cross is empty and Jesus is risen, we may wonder if the wearers of the cross in that sense are aware aware of it. I mean, you're wearing a cross, uh, even a crucifix, that is, which conveys the body of Jesus, which illustrates the body of Jesus on the cross. We have to say, do you really understand what the crucifixion involved? And for those wearing empty crosses, do you really understand that? Are you really agreeing with the fact that Jesus is risen from the dead? So that's one problem I see with people wearing crosses. I don't think I want to make a big deal of it, but to me, it it does risk trivialization and 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 a ignorance of the significance of the cross. But let the person in the question mentioned ministers wearing crosses. Um, and ministers in some tradition do wear crosses, um, and sometimes I do. I'm not in a tradition where ministers wear crosses all the time, but when I'm on duty on Sunday or when I'm doing visiting in an aged care or, or health health um, healthcare place, uh, I will wear a cross. Um, however, I, I don't wear it all the time. In, in, interesting enough, I've been taken to task once or twice by fellow Christian ministers for wearing a cross. And uh, I have What's been, the reason for that? Well, the reason for that is it's not the done thing in our tradition. Okay. Um, and uh, my response to that must be, well, surely wearing an empty cross uh, is really, uh, and I'm wearing it sincerely because I do believe in the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. Uh, what is the problem with that? But, but, but for some people, they think, oh, no, you, you, it's part of the Roman Catholic tradition, therefore it can't be a part of ours. Well, I, I always remember, uh, I think it was my mum saying, well, you know, the cross, wearing a piece of jewellery or the cross with Jesus crucified on it, that's the, that was the past and sort of was frowned upon, like the, that having Jesus on the cross because he's already risen, so why do you have Jesus on the cross? Yes, well, well, of course, if you're wearing a crucifix, that might be right, but literally wearing an empty cross, yeah. just wearing a plain cross, mm. uh, which most ministers would do, um, then then uh, that that's, you are remembering the past. Of course you remember the past. Every time you take communion, you're remembering the past and so on. But, you see, what what I think some people say is, and what people have said to me is, oh, it might encourage idolatry. Now, I want to put it to such a person, and without trying to be too unkind, does my wearing a very simple, simple wooden cross, a very small, simple wooden cross, if you are tempted to worship that, you've got a problem. You need to grow up. And I'm sorry to be so blunt, but honestly, this business of idolatry, if a simple empty cross tempts you to worship it, you really do need some teaching and growth in maturity because such a cross can point you to Jesus and his resurrection, not to an idol. So I think when people sort of say, oh, there's a risk of idolatry. Now, there can be. In some church traditions, sadly, and particularly in past centuries, people have worship statues, worshipped um, uh, pictures and idols and so on. Yes, 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 I'm aware of that. But, oh, dear me, um, a minister or, or anyone for that matter wearing a very simple unadorned cross, um, if you're tempted to worship that as an idol, well, as I say, you've got a big problem and you need to get some help. I guess worshipping idols, there's plenty of things to worship. We probably worship so many things that we're oh, not indeed. even aware of, are we? Indeed. But having said that, uh, I, I, I in no way want to suggest that we've all got to go out wearing crosses. Uh, that, that's not 
true at all. Um, um, I'm talking here, actually doing gospel work, but I'm I'm not wearing a cross. Um, we're free to wear it or not to wear it as long as we realise the significance of it. And when I was challenged about wearing a cross in one particular context, the, the person concerned said, oh, it might be a stumbling block to some people. I thought, well, once the empty cross becomes a stumbling block, I think we've got to do a little bit more careful teaching about it. But I would never want to say to people, you must wear a cross. Of course not. But to to suggest that wearing a cross in certain circumstances in ministry work is somehow rather a, a snare to idolatry, I really think we've uh, gone a bit beyond the pale there. And in terms of ornamental crosses, well, I I, I think it does trivialise the cross, the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus a bit, and I'd love to see it. Um, I'd love to see people who wear those things become aware of the significance of it. Well, I, I guess there, there are many uh, corporations that are, uh, are sort of encouraging employees not to wear religious symbols anyway, so oh, you might not have a choice. That's right, you might not have a choice. And personally, to be honest, I wouldn't make a big deal of that either. That's another question. But, um, yeah. you know, if someone said to me, if I was visiting a hospital or something, we, you are not allowed to wear a cross, okay, I wouldn't wear a cross. I mean, dear me, it's not essential to salvation. Yep. You're listening to LifeWords Q&A with David Ray, Andrew Morris. Hope you're enjoying uh, these questions. They're submitted by... Uh, people like yourself, if you've got a question, please email David at his email address, lifewords at hopemedia.com.au. David, our final question for this podcast is, when we die, do we go straight to be with Jesus or do we wait till his return? The Bible seems to say both. It does. Yes, and the Bible so often says two things that we think might be contradictory, but we've sort of got to somehow or other hold them in tension. There is a tension here because, let's let's look at it this way, Jesus promises a thief on the cross that um, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, there's some debate amongst experts, New Testament experts, about whether paradise is exactly the same as heaven, and I think there's some validity in that. But but at the same time, Jesus, the point I'm making here is the thief is going to be with Jesus, however we define paradise. Um, that you know the very moment of his death but other texts suggest that we get our new resurrection bodies only when jesus returns to usher in the new heavens and the new earth only then are we going to actually get our new resurrection bodies so some suggest we exist till that time in a disembodied state and yet conscious of the presence of jesus and that that may well be the case i don't know some fine christians do acknowledge that i tend to look at it a bit differently and, and, and I'll, I'll use the illustration of going to sleep. See, I go to sleep at 10 p.m., say, and wake up at 6 a.m. Eight hours has passed, but I'm not conscious of all those hours. I'm only conscious that when I closed my eyes and went to bed, the clock said 10 o'clock. I went to sleep, the clock said 10 o'clock. And then when I woke up, the clock said 6 o'clock. Eight hours have passed, and if, if anyone had been observing me, they would have observed and experienced eight hours passing. But I'm only aware that I slept and woke up. So perhaps, just perhaps, it's a bit like this when we die. I die, and my next conscious experience is being with Jesus with my new body in the new heavens and the new earth. Um, But a thousand years might have elapsed. I mean, Martin Luther, that great godly man of the Reformation, died many hundreds of years ago. And um, Martin Luther, well, on one view, could be existing in a disembodied state because Jesus hasn't returned yet. Um, but on my understanding is, well, 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 however he exists, he's, as it were, gone out of time. He's, he's actually mm. exchanged this Earth's time span for something else. Thousands of years may pass before the time of our death and Jesus' return, but it doesn't seem that way. Just as 
if I sleep eight hours or sleep 10 hours or sleep 12 hours, I'm not so much conscious of the num- the passage of hours. I'm just conscious of going to sleep, waking up. So the way I resolve that tension, and it might not be the best way, but the way I resolve it is to think, well, Lord, I know that when I die, my next conscious thought, my next conscious experience will be, I will be with you. And with you, I believe, not in a disembodied state, but in the new heavens and the new earth. Um, simply, be, but, but a thousand years may have passed, but I simply won't be conscious of it. Excellent. Worth pondering. David, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Uh, as always, stimulating and lots more questions we could ask. If you've got a follow-up question, you know what to do. Email David LifeWords at hopemedia.com.au and we'll be talking about your question in the weeks to come. Thanks for joining us. You can subscribe to the podcast at iTunes or download episodes at hope1032.com.au. Till next time, David, farewell. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Start your day with life words. Subscribe to Hope 1032's free daily email devotional at hope1032.com.au.